Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Warning, this podcast contains spoilers for the series finale of Succession on HBO. Hello, my name is Jason Concepcion. And I'm Rosie Knight. And welcome to X-Ray Vision, the Crooked Media Podcast, where we're diving deep into your favorite show this episode, movies, comics, and pop culture, but really just one show, the finale, the series finale of Succession. Yep. In this episode, we've got actually kind of two finales, because it's the finale of Market Moves. (laughs) The market moves comes to an end as we talk about Succession, season four, episode 10, the series finale, one of the greatest series finales of all time. Sure. I think yes. I'm saying Agreed. it. It's happening. Agreed. And in a nerd out, we've got Joe talking about Netflix's Voltron Legendary Defender. Very excited to hear that because people love that show and the fandom is very passionate. Coming up, market moves, the finale, series finale of market series moves. Series finale. Too much pain, here's what I say. Pain sponges here, you can take a break. Put a sticker on your brain, I can save your space. And I don't like eyes because they're face eggs. Clap along if you'd suck the biggest dick in the room. Clap along if you feel like a puppet for Big Luke. Clap along if you feel like your wife's lobes are filled with the juice. <laughs> Clap along if you feel like sucking D is for Market Moves. Market Moves! Let's go! Market Moves album coming soon, coming soon. Let's go! It's the finale of Market Moves, yes. Oh, folks, what a show, what a finale, what an ascendance by Thomas, the Quizzling Wamsgans. Let's get into it. We start on deal day, New York City. Ken arrives at Waystar HQ. He's dapping up the the crew. He's saying hi to everybody. Hey, hey, copy the DM, everybody. Uh, Enter Telly. Telly, who I love has entered into our lives kind of late in the life of the series, but Telly is, and every organization needs a Telly. Telly is the person who's actually good at their job, but but the powers that be keep Telly hidden away, like in a closet somewhere. And you only really break Telly out when you need him, but you do it privately so nobody knows that Telly is actually the one who knows shit. So, Jason, are you saying they stashed Telly so nobody saw the tapes? They were I like, keep him away. <laughs> that's really what happened. So uh, Ken walks in and Telly, uh, as the truth teller and the guy who sees clearly, immediately briefs uh, Ken on what's going on with Stewie. He just got off the phone with Stewie's guy, and Stewie is 
they don't have Stewie. And Ken is like, what? Who? What? Wait, what? what? Uh, and he uh, pulls himself together and he says, OK, I, well, I can uh, yeah, I, I can get Stewie on board. I'll just uh, get a phone call with Stewie and uh, you know, this is a play and this is just a smokescreen and I can get Stewie. And if I don't get Stewie, there's like a couple. I have some backups in mind. So we have a path to getting the votes. Uh, and then Telly is like, OK, but like you, your votes include Roman. And where is Roman? No one's seen Roman. Nobody's heard from Roman and Roman, and Ken is like, don't worry, I got Roman. I don't know where Roman is, but I got him. I have his votes. I got him. It doesn't matter. I don't know where he is. We go to uh, Lucas HQ where Shiv is telling uh, Lucas the Stewie news that uh, Ken doesn't have Stewie anymore. And she rattles off a straw poll. She's got it all. Listen, Telly does it in his head. Shiv needs a little piece of paper, but that's OK. <laughs> and she rattles it off. And she's like, listen, you can cut the pizza any way you want, but the pie is all yours, Lucas. It's all Gojo, baby. It's in the fucking bag. Uh, and also, not that I care about it, Luke, but, um, you know, Tom. Remember him? Whatever, uh, you know, like whichever way you want to go with that, I'm good. And Lucas is like, listen, I've had a few vibe checks with Tom. Uh, and, you know, uh, what do you think? What do you think? And Shiv is like, well, uh and I quote, he's very competent, but if he irks you or if it's complicated, it is OK. He is very plausible corporate matter, but he's also just a highly interchangeable modular part. And I would say that to his face. She would. She definitely she would. She would say that she to his face. She absolutely fucking would. And she, you know, she lets Lucas uh, know in closing that Tom will suck the biggest dick in the room. So let me ask uh, prompt number one. Is that the nicest thing that Shiv has ever said about Tom, that he will suck the best dick in the world? <laughs> you know what? I will say, I believe in this moment, it is probably the best thing she's ever done for I Tom. Agree. Because I think this is the most important line in all of succession, yes. which is fantastic. And That's I think right. this is the moment that Lucas Matson knows Tom is his guy. Because you know That's what? Right. Shiv can say that to Tom's face. Tom would probably agree and add some flowery language about how good he would be at sucking the biggest dick. But if <laughs> Shiv would never say that about herself, Shiv does not see herself that way. And that is what Lucas needs. So this is Shiv's greatest gift to Tom. It's a great, it's a great call. And it leads us into our next prompt, which we will get to shortly. But I think you're right. Number one, Shiv would say this and much worse to Tom's face. <laughs> She'd uh -huh. say she said lots of truly, truly awful things over the course of this series to directly to Tom's visage, including, as I love to point out, asking him on his wedding night if they could have an open Whew. marriage. Uh, I, and I agree with you. Clearly, Lucas wants a quizzling, wants mm -hmm. a puppet does not want anybody with their own thoughts who will voice their own thoughts, who will even seem as if they're voicing their own thoughts. He wants a pure cutout and and uh, Shiv letting Lucas know that Tom will drop to his knees at the snap of a finger, lets Lucas know that, yeah, I think Tom is the guy. Shiv takes a call from her mom, Lady Caroline, <laughs> the wonderful Lady Caroline coming in hot. Coming in hot in these last two episodes <laughs> with just absolute so like star fucking power. 
unbelievable stuff. So we, and from this, and we learned that Roman has gone to ground at Mummy's house in Barbados. <laughs> wonderful, delightful, wonderful little uh, little getaway place. Although Lady Caroline is, you know, lets her know that you know the house obviously is still leaking. It's a it's a shit box. No, it's a beautiful mansion. <laughs> Shiv tells Lucas, "Okay, I have a location on Roman. He's with my mom." I'm going there to get him because we need to have, you know, we get, let's get as many of the Roy's on side as we can. So this thing isn't perceived as, quote, Lady Macbeth part two, <laughs> which brings us to uh, prompt number two. So we see in this scene that uh, Lucas is a little there is a Vanity I think Vanity mm-hmm. Fair piece about Lucas and the art is an illustration of Shiv uh, holding mats and strings making him dance to the tune so the Matson is the puppet not Shiv and uh, clearly this profile is is uh, wondering you know who is really running things at Gojo uh, and here is Shiv Showing at least that she has some awareness of that perception being out mm-hmm. there, saying, you know, I don't want this to look like Lady Macbeth Part Two. That if we get another, uh, if we get another Roy, if we get Roman on side, now it looks like there's two Roys uh, holding Lucas's strings, and it's not just me being not the just Lady me, Macbeth. not just yeah, a yeah, woman yeah. doing it. So this leads us to our prompt: Shiv comes from the uh, political world, communications and politics. How did she fuck this up? How did she, you know, if it was Ken even, or certainly her dad or any other of the the power players here, they'd be on the phone to their version of Hugo or Carolina and they'd be like, okay, here's this profile's coming. Make sure it makes me look like the puppet, not Lucas. I'm the puppet. How did she fuck this up? So the headline is really interesting because it says, like, is Lucas Matson taking over the world? But right. then it has the puppet Shiv, Shiv puppeteering him. I actually think this is Shiv's own arrogance. I think Shiv and Kendall have the same problem, which is they have so much self-belief. Shiv says something really interesting later this episode where she says, like, Matson believes in me. And it's like, she truly believes, she's like, well, this is just like a funny image. Like, and also, would yeah. it, it wouldn't be so terrible if there was one bit of information that did look like I was the one who was puppeteering him. Even if it's just like a joke, I want people to know that I'm a partner in this and there's this kind of like sparring ground. Look, Shiv's biggest mistake throughout all of this, as much as it has been absolutely joyful to watch her stab her brothers I in love the back. It. I love it. She knew Madison was an abuser. She knows he hates women. He makes Holocaust jokes. He is not a person you can trust. And he's also not a person whose ego you can ever stop stroking. And I think it is the, like you said, Shiv fucked this up because it's that duality of that. It's not a coincidence he's reading that piece. And she says that line about Tom and then he makes that choice. Yeah, yeah. I think if and, there was, if I, it I was, agree. if the image had been the other way around, if it had been him puppeteering her, this kind of weird, you know, caricature, he might have been more amenable to her being the puppet. But I think really it was never going to happen because she's a woman. Uh, I go the other way. I think it might have happened. I, certainly, uh, the things that. Lucas says about Shiv later lead me to believe that, uh, you know, he loves pushing boundaries. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, given the right circumstances, he'd love to have Shiv working for him to push those boundaries, you know, whenever he felt like it. Uh, But I also feel like, one, you're right. This is Shiv's arrogance. She, she, She says, 
as Lucas is looking at the the piece, oh, do you want me to call the reporter? She's the reporter on speed dial. She probably mm-hmm. sourced for him and probably told uh, – she probably sourced for She probably for approved the artist. She probably said – and by the way, just, you know, on background, like I am – like mm-hmm. I'm a partner and all this stuff. So – I think this, you're right, this was her arrogance. This was her wanting to signal like, hey, I'm I'm a player. I'm also a player. And I think it fucked her up. But I do think that there was a world in which Shiv acts supine enough mm-hmm. and spineless enough and is on top of this kind of messaging, you know, it, you know, is communicating and broadcasting to everyone who will listen, hey, it's Lucas running things. It's Lucas running things. I'm just he just wants me here, like as a as a flag, a Roy flag, uh, and also because I have the uh, the you know the next in line, uh, Roy baby in my belly. Mm-hmm. I think that I think there's I think, a world in which Lucas would have gone for it. I think you're right. I actually think that shows how naive Shiv was in this situation because yeah. actually that's a very easy PR message. And she could have even, like, if she could have just gotten over this need to be like her brothers, she could have just even acted that way to Matson in the room. Yeah. She's always coming in trying to talk about, like, numbers and, like, hey, power. we got, it. And, hey, we yeah, got yeah. it. and it's like, you know what? One, Shiv, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. None of you do. You're None of you are serious people. That's the realest thing Logan ever it's said. Sadly, none of the Roys are serious Logan people. Logan was right. Logan was right. Ding, 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 ring the bell. But also, like... You could have just played him. Matson is also not a serious person. Like, you could have played the subservient woman yep. who's just going to do whatever he says and then actually gotten your power from just the fact that he really wouldn't have known what was going on outside of yep. his little fantasy in his head. But instead, she wanted to play the the big balls, you know, tough girl boss situation. And as we know, that never goes well. It does not go well. Uh, Shiv then calls Tom. And she has an interesting proposition. She says, uh, hey, uh, wouldn't it be great, uh, you know, if you were so amenable to continue, like, maybe living this very, very toxic lie of ours? Uh, Wouldn't that be convenient? You know, we can lock it down right now. We can lock it back down and start uh, living as husband and wife again. You know, if you're into that, what do you think? Uh, You know, what do you say? What's up? Uh, this is probably the smartest thing that Shiv has done mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. in this entire series because I think this is the thing that gives her the out that we see yes. at the end of the episode. And Tom says he doesn't know. I totally agree. Okay, mini prompt. Do yeah. you think Shiv means it? Because there is a line where she says to him, you know, we've already said the worst things you can ever say to each other. So, like, we're basically starting here knowing the worst things about each other. That, to me, actually sounds like there is at least 5% of her who's like, oh, maybe this could be the least terrible option for me. Rather than just, like, it being kind of a pretense, I think there is Mm -hmm. a tiny piece of her that sees some kind of safety net in Tom emotionally or something. I think there's, like, a, a sparkle there that this isn't just... A pretense. I think there's something in there where Shiv knows like she's a horrible person, but here's somebody who knows that too and accepts her. I think that there is that. You know, it's that very it's that thing from that maybe people have experienced in toxic and or codependent relationships where it's bad 
but the badness is kind of all you know. Yes. And you're comfortable with the badness. I think mm-hmm. that there is something to that. I also think it's a I think it's a power move from Shiv as well, in which she is kind of, you know, just as she was saying to Lucas, like, let's uh, project a unified front mm. continuity. We get the Roy's on side. It looks good. I think from her perspective, it's going to be me. I'm CEO. I bring my husband along. He's subservient to me. Mm-hmm. Um, we have looks, a child with the Roy we name. We have a child with the Roy name. It looks great. The Roy's are continuing to run mm. Waystar. Um, and it burnishes my reputation as, you know, the b- big boss lady. And I think yeah. it looks good. And I think that's the play that she's yeah, ni- she thinks 95% she's, power play, 5% like maybe an inkling of something real <laughs> deep <yeah>. down. <laughs> I think she thinks she's saving Tom. Uh, yes, she does. Pers- at this point in time. Oh, the irony. Uh, Greg who has uh, overheard this phone call, uh, immediately scampers uh, off to Ken's camp with the news of Roman's location. Ken then calls mom Fucking and confirms. Great. And he tells his uh, his a new assistant, New Jess, who he refers to as New Jess. <laughs> Good for Jess. I'm glad she just got the fuck out of there. I... He doesn't even know her name. Doesn't know her name. <laughs> New Jess, New Jess. He tells New Jess, "Hey, listen, book me on the uh, book me on the uh, on our fastest private jet to the Caribbean." Um, Shiv arrives first in Barbados to find Roman with fresh stitches over his brow. Ken then follows as uh, um, when Ken is pulling in, he finally gets in touch uh, with Stewie, who basically assures him, "Like, yeah, it's all good. We uh, we got it." Uh, Ken and Shiv then spar on which side Roman is on uh, in front of Roman. And Roman is like, uh, you know, waffling back and forth. Ken is losing his mind over it. Uh, Shiv then like absolutely rubs her assumed victory. And this is pure Shiv. Oh, my God. She thinks she's won. It's not even the game hasn't even started. There's like, no question to her, time. though. There's no time. Yeah, she's got it fucking sewn I up. won, it's- and you guys are fucked, and you just need to accept it and celebrate me for fucking once. The she I does, won. She does, like, the Allen Iverson fucking step over <laughs> of, of Ken, and it is, it's almost, you can see this, everything that happens in Barbados, including mm-hmm. this kind of beginning, and this is what's so great about this show is that you can really feel this cycle of the siblings come together. Yeah. One of them, one or several of them think they've won whatever the thing is. Now they're bickering and and rubbing in each other's face. Then they have a big blow up. Then they come together and then it all falls apart starting the mm-hmm. cycle again. Like this cycle, you just can feel that it has taken place multiple times over multiple things over the course of their lives. You know what? It's such it's such brilliant writing because in that moment, even though like Shiv is making so many bad choices throughout the show, when she says to Kendall, she's like, I won. Like, can't you just be happy for me one time? Like, can't you just celebrate me? I actually was like, yeah, fucking yeah. Yeah. Because you know what? They never do. Like, even though I knew it was going to be a short-lived victory for her, I'm like, you know what? For once, she was the one who managed to fuck you guys over. And it seems like most of her life that has not been 
she has not been the winning party, you know. But you're right, that cycle of seeing them and that unbelievable closeness that we get when they yeah. come together. And then it's, it's you know, it's the cycle of, it's the promise, the betrayal, the promise, the betrayal, the promise, yeah. the betrayal. That's And it was started by their dad. I completely agree with you about, the, it would be wonderful <laughs> if the Roys were less toxic than they are and and, yeah. and, and less... Uh, you know, traumatized because clearly Shiv must have done things over the course of her life that that would and should garner praise from her brothers at the same time. I look at this and I'm like, man, Shiv, you actually have to win first. And She's then an idiot. Make like, that's the real thing. And that's then my, say, deal with it. My favorite thing about this episode is <laughs> that they manage to balance these moments where you're just so invested in the characters while also always reminding you like these are terrible people and they're fucking idiots like they're really really stupid and arrogant and that is going to be their downfall and even that downfall comes with a cushion of billions of dollars we'll get to that in a moment because i can't i really can't wait to talk about that (laughs) x-ray vision will be back Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. And we're back. Tom and Greg are at a gallery opening with Lucas. Lucas has been uh, dragging both of them around uh, doing this kind of like open-ended vibe check um, (laughs) that, uh, you know, it's unclear that Tom and Greg really know that's what it is, but he's been keeping them close. Uh, Tom really can't figure out how to talk about art. (laughs) I forget the line. What does he say? The colors really go well. And then Lucas walks away and he goes over to Greg and basically um, uh, rakes Greg over the coals for not jumping in to save like a lumpy conversation and letting him say, like, I guess the colors go well. Like, does that (laughs) even work? Is that good? Yeah. Um, Greg's like, shouldn't you have said together? And he's like, no, no, the colors go well. It's fine. It's fine. uh, Tom is like, listen, you need to figure it out because like you're fucked. Like Lucas hates you like he's gonna cut off your fucking head and fucking cut off your dick and you're done like you're gonna be making like no money you're gonna be making like forty thousand dollars a year and greg's like actually he likes me and tom is like no he fucking does not like you prompt number three rosie for people who don't care about art how do you pretend to care about art what is something you can say about a piece of art 
that you don't care about that will make the, th- the person you are standing with think this person really knows art. Okay, just say like a long word. So be like, I've gone to many gallery openings. When I was a teenager in London, they would have them all the time and we would just go in them and just rinse all the free drinks. Like just drink yes. every glass of wine. <laughs> like, and, and a lot of times they want kind of scrubby looking kids in there because they feel like it makes it feel like Right, it makes it street. Real. It makes like, it authentic. Yeah. yeah, authentic. Like they're they're gentrifying the neighborhood with a gallery. Let's let some kids in. So we've been drinking all the wine. So here are some great lines. This is the kind of shit you hear when you go to these things. If you're not sure what to say, just look at it and be like, oh, it's so esoteric. Oh, I like That's that. That's a good one. You can also be like, yeah, oh, yeah. this one's really existential. Just like Ooh. put a long word if it begins with an E, you know, something like that. Or if you want to be like, if you're trying to impress Lucas Matson, I'd just go around and be like, oh, this is all terrible. This is shit. Yeah. Like just shit. act like you don't like it. Like you know so much about art that this art is terrible. Right. I'd be like, let me try it. I'm standing next to Lucas. This one's shit. This one's shit. Also shit. This one is powerfully erotic. Yes, that's perfect. This is like, Lucas would hire you as CEO. (laughs) Goodbye, Tom. That's like, he'd be like, okay, here's $10 million. Buy me a piece of art. Powerfully erotic art. The siblings come back together at sunset in Barbados. And here is really where I'm like, you can, you know, whatever they were arguing about, the cars, the toy, their toys, video games, Mm -hmm. whatever it was that they argued about as kids, you can see how this exact cycle played out over the course of their lives. They argued and now they come back together somewhere on the veranda at the out in the, you know, in the, in the woods on the edge of the property and smoking weed or having drinks. And now they're coming back together. So this is what they're doing. It's sunset. They've joined back together to try and figure out how to take control of the family legacy. But it starts with Shiv. Once again, she she's won. She wants to let them know that she has won and that she knows she has won. And she wants them to just accept it, get used to it, like admit I won, I beat you mm-hmm. and just deal with it. Um, back with Lucas and Tom, they're having dinner. Uh, making some small talk. Lucas doesn't like the uh, the the Xeroxed Bronzino of the I'm restaurant. I'm telling you, this is why you say things are shit. Because most people like that don't like things or don't want you to know that you like things. Tom compliments the food, but Lucas hates it. If Tom had come out with the I hate the food, he might have gotten a little PowerPoint. But I instead, right. he proves exactly what Lucas wants. Because as soon as Lucas says it's bad, Tom's like, yeah, we might have been ill-advised. This wasn't Yeah, and then he's choice. like, I'm going to fucking kill Greg. Like, Greg is dead. I'll, I'll <laughs> talk to dead. Greg. The, the way he's just Greg. Like fucking Greg. He just like instinctively is like, let me fucking uh, kick Greg in the I'm nuts a little bit. because beat Greg up. Whatever Greg did, he did it poorly. And we need to figure this out. Uh, Lucas then oh. says, okay, Tom, uh, why don't you pitch yourself? Pitch yourself as the guy. Pitch yourself as CEO. Tom says, listen, uh, you know, I'll keep it simple. Um, low costs, high margins. Uh, I will, you know, eat any kind of shit that needs eating day or night, any time of day that shit needs eating. I'll eat the shit. Um, look at what I did for cruises. That was a big huge pile of shit sandwiches and I fucking ate it also um, not mentioned in this conversation but I'm going to mention it for him I you know uh, Tom was willing to f- go to prison 
Mm-hmm. He wasn't happy about it. He didn't yeah, like it. But he was gonna do it. <laughs> he was, he was gonna, like, I'll do it. I'll go to prison. He was gonna eat that particular feces sandwich. Uh and then uh, you know, he's happy to fire anybody anytime. Like I'll he'll will cut heads off and scoop out eyeballs in his own words. He'll he will make Greg do that, but still. Anybody that needs firing, he will fire. And then Lucas is like, what about on a hang level? You know? And then <laughs> Tom is like, man, I'm a grinder. I, I grind because I worry. I worry about, uh, you know, my career. I worry about my personal uh, well-being. I worry about everything. And that keeps me up at night. That makes me, uh, means I'm working all the time and I'm going to be worried about your interests. And I think this was very, I think this was very convincing for Lucas the way that Tom is completely and totally subservient. And not yeah. just that, but I heard in the um, the official succession pod, Sarsgaard said that he, in his mind, Lucas noticed that Tom wasn't at the funeral and, the fu- and he was working. And he said, aha, there's mm-hmm. a guy that just works. Yeah. Like, he just will work for me. I think it's also, like, incredibly honest in a show where yeah. everybody lies. Tom's life has been absolutely fucking ruined by his job, by his anxiety, by working for ATN, by being with Shiv. Like, everything he does makes his life worse. And he will just keep doing it in this pursuit of nice things, of wealth, of security, of status. And I think that is very appealing to Lucas because that's exactly it. what he wants. And he sees that Tom is already someone who's in a deep amount of pain and personal turmoil. And that's great because that's exactly what Lucas wants. Lucas wants a pain sponge. He sees that turmoil. I love that term, pain sponge. So good. He Lucas sees that turmoil. He sees the subservience mm-hmm. of Tom and he says, okay, let's see how... Yes, how let's subservient ju- let's, are let's you? Let's see how just how badly you want to lay on my lap, lapdog. Here's my concerns with... Your wife, Shiv Roy. My concerns about her are, uh, number one, on a, on a just business level, she has too many ideas. I don't need that. I have my own ideas. My mind's going way too fast, in fact. I probably have some sort of ADD mm-hmm. kind of underlying issue, and I don't need somebody coming in and kind of like mucking up what is already chaotic thought process. I need somebody who's just going to execute and follow orders. And then uh, also, you know, there's this thing where like I kind of want to fuck your wife, and, uh, you know, I've already done that with Ebba. And, and I think your wife would fuck me. That's what he I says. Think He's like, in, I think she would fuck me. Under the right circumstances, I really think your wife would also fuck me. Sorry if this is weird, by the way. And to which Tom replies, no, 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 no. We're men. We're both men. That's when he cinches the job. There's <laughs> no, that's it. That's he, absolutely the moment that the job is his. He ties the fucking bow on it right there. And Lucas says, you know, it would get messy if I fucked your wife. And again, she wants it. Uh, and so I thought, why not get the guy who put the baby in the baby lady? <laughs> Lucas Matson, the world's biggest misogynist. Just like next, unbelievable. Next prompt. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> what, can can you is, explain that one to me? Okay, so what does what does that mean? I think that Matson is like an old school, like piece of shit misogynist. Yeah, like he yeah, is yeah. like well, a woman doesn't get pregnant, a man gets her pregnant. Right, right, and right. And rather than me hiring a woman who is stupid enough to get pregnant, like, why don't I hire the guy who was 
clever enough to get her pregnant. Like he's right, a, right. It, I think this whole like, the line good is good move by you. Tom. Good move by a, you. Yes, I mean, I, and move. I think the real truth is like in that moment he's going off Tom's like we're men line. But the real truth is he just wants Tom because Tom's going to do what he wants and be his pain sponge, and. <laughs> He hates women, but I like yes. the way he tries to explain it, where he's like, why not get the guy who put the baby in the baby lady? Even Tom, I feel like, is just like, what the fuck are you talking about? But I'll take it. I also just want to say, the moment when Tom does not, I feel like Tom really, when Matson says, pitch me, Tom thinks he's pitching to stay in the company after the merger. Right. He has no idea. So when Matson says that to him, Tom's reaction is just like, so fucking good. He he saw it coming even less than anybody watching the show. I, let me just, I just need to push back lightly because like all Lucas did is uh, refer to uh, this man's wife to his face in a very coarse, uh, sexually That's normal in language. business situation. And just lock yeah, her and talk. And yeah, he sent you know, potentially gallons of his own frozen bodily fluids to, uh, you know, one of his underlings. Uh, but does that make him a misogynist? Okay, that I just, actually have he to may, agree. Uh, maybe I, he's just a very uh, generous with his with his frozen blood kind of person. Do you understand how strong you have to be as a man to be able to give up so sure. many gallons of blood? So I think man- you make a good point. I think, you know, some people may call him a misogynist. And, right. you know, maybe being an old school misogynist is not even a bad thing. You know, if you, you hate people who have babies, cool. Like maybe I- that's working good for you. He seems rich. I mean, it must be going quite well. But I think I think you were right to 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 call me in on that one. I look at Lucas and I think, where does all the blood come from? How does he have so How much blood? How does he have blood? so much blood? I need to he know must, his secret. He must be different than me. He mm-hmm. must be a different better. species. He must be better somehow because that man just is pumping out blood. Blood, blood, uh, blood. And, and I've just got a meager uh, regular human's amount of blood. That is a Superman over there. That's what I think when I look at it. Yeah, I agree. Um, Greg then conveys uh, this lightning bolt uh, to Ken that uh, Shiv is out and that Lucas is looking at somebody else. Uh, and he does so with a promise, trying by trying to extract a promise from Ken that they could quad it up. Could we quad, do, meaning, add Greg to the three, and now it's four, and we're quadding it up, baby. Do, I just want to say, Greg's tried the I have a secret thing too many times. Okay, this no. is the second time. Also, I do want to point out here, Tom... I feel like is actually going to be very successful in his new role because I when, think so too. when Greg comes to ask him what happened, Tom does not tell Greg. Tom right. has realized that Greg is a loose link sink ships kind of guy. Like he is the weakest link. He's going to try and betray you. And that's just how it is. So Tom doesn't tell him and leaves it vague. But Greg, proving his worth in the corporate backstabbing space, uses a phone translator to listen in to the Swedish people's conversations. And that's how he finds out. But Tom assumes that he somehow gleaned it from their conversation and and is unhappy. But I want to just say, Tom, he's learning the lesson. In the old days, he would have told Greg. They would have celebrated. They would have done a little disgusting brothers dance. They would have probably like done some weird masochistic fighting, which actually they get to later. But (laughs) it, it is... 
I was very impressed. I thought, wow, Tom, he's coming up as CEO. Like he understands now. This is like, this is serious. Well, he, Tom, I think understands that just as he is Lucas's paint sponge, Greg Greg is is his paint sponge. Greg is his paint sponge. Greg is is the man who you can uh, who you can use as a footrest in mm-hmm. your office. Greg is the man who you can tell yeah, to he's a do footstool. crimes. And though he will eventually rat you out because of the crimes, that's a known quantity. Mm-hmm. There's no surprises with Greg. Greg's a fucking rat. Yep. Greg will rat to whoever he feels like he needs to rat to. And once you know that, Greg is very, very predictable. And quite also, useful. Quite useful. Quite, quite useful, it turns out. Um, we go back to Barbados where uh, things are happening. The, the, the siblings are coming together under the idea that Ken is going to be the guy. And here's how it starts. First, uh, Ken basically tells Shiv after learning the news from Greg that, hey, you're out. Like, Matson's looking for somebody else. It might be uh, Lawrence Yee, a vaulter. It might be somebody else, someone with business chops. I don't know. They're looking at somebody else. So why don't you, uh, you know, call somebody, like, figure it out. Like, you, um, you know, just confirm it. If Don't take my word for it. Go and confirm it. And Shiv goes, she gets a copy of the uh, CEO press release and finds that her mm-hmm. name has been crossed out. There's just X's, like a TKTK placeholding X's, and she knows it's real. From there, uh, uh, Ken goes swimming after making the pitch for, hold on to your seats, everybody. Ken makes the pitch for himself as CEO. Shocked. I know this is, I know Unbelievable. this is a surprise You never saw that coming. Huge twist. Huge twist. Uh, Shiv and Rome joke very casually about murdering Ken. <laughs> I mean, they could have done it right there in the waves, just drag I him down. There's, I think there's a, a momentary truth that they both consider in that silence. And I wouldn't have been surprised to see it go that way. Honestly, they probably would have been better off. Kendall fucking sucks. He's a terrible person. I think if Ken slipped into the, off that little floaty platform and Mm -hmm. into the waves and was struggling and saying, hey, help me, I have a cramp. And I I think- They wouldn't necessarily pull him out. I think they would- they might move towards him with a slowness mm-hmm. that would allow him to drown, I think. Yeah. But they, they, neither of them are brave enough to actually kill, which is why I think Ken should be the CEO, because Ken can do it. We know that Ken can take a <laughs> you know, life. He, you know what he's really good? He's really good at delivering a pitch. I can't wait to see him pitch this to the board. Yes. Uh, After that, they go to the kitchen where uh, Shiv and Roman decide, Okay, well, uh, Ken, you are the king. And so we're going to play this childhood game that uh, clearly they had been playing meal fit for king, where they just take all the stuff from the kitchen and put it in a blender and blend it up and make the king drink it. Um, Another classic succession moment here where everything you learn about their childhood is horrific. Bitey, yes. a game they yeah. played in their childhood. Fit for a king where you just make people drink disgusting things. Everything is about humiliation and brutality and cruelty. But this is also one of the most heartwarming scenes in the show. It is. Which is just you, incredible. Because it's just wonderful to see them all getting along as Lady Caroline They are says siblings when she comes in down. that moment. Like, there's no question that these uh, are brothers and sisters. 
Roman licks Peter's special cheese. Oh no, Daddy! Don't lick my cheese. <laughs> it's perfect. Cheese. <laughs> One of the best mo- Roman moments in the whole show. Uh, Roman then uh, pours the fit for a king potion over Ken's head, and the three of them leave Barbados together, a unified, powerful voting block. Boom. And you can tell that they are together and they are unified because they arrive at the airport and they're talking strategy. You do this and I'll talk to this person. And here we do and this. And they were wearing and matching black outfits. Matching black outfits. And then they get into three different cars to go to the same location. What? What? <laughs> what? That what were they detail, thinking? That detail is perfect. But yeah, power, it's also so a power good. move. I also... Like, I. I it's read a power this. Move. It's definitely it's a big time power move. You never never share a car. What is this? A never carpool? Never share a what car. What is this? An Uber carpool? No, thank you. Yeah, so, if I'm a, if I'm in a car with you, whose car is who riding it? No one exactly. knows. Who's, if I'm in my own car, right? Whose driver is this? Whose driver is, I, this? is that? My driver? Is that my driver? Right. If I tell driver? the driver pull over, I need to. Uh, I need to. Just take a shit in the middle of the street. Mm-hmm. It, who is that driver listening to? You are they going to listen to you? That's right. Are they going to listen to you? And that's why you always have to ride in separate cars. They they have some really great moments like that in the show. There's a brilliant interview right now with one of the writers of Succession that's at the Guardian. It's like it's not an interview actually. It's a think piece that she wrote about how the story of making Succession. And one of the things she talks about is that they had a consultant for how billionaires behave. And yeah. one of the things she pointed out is she said their shoes only ever touch carpet. That's right. So They're wherever never, they go, yeah. they go from the car to the, you know, airfield. There's a red carpet. They, they go to the house. There's a carpet. Their shoes never touch the ground. That was like blowing my mind because when you watch it and you watch moments like this, you see that it's true. Yeah. They, it's never, like these, they don't have coats. They don't have coats. That's a big one. They don't wear coats. They never announce that they're about to eat. That was no. apparently one of the ones that she got pulled up on a lot. Like, you can't have Marsha coming in and saying, this is, you know, it's dinner time or, or food is served. Billionaires don't do that. We knew that already, but they needed a yeah. consultant on succession to tell them that. They arrive separately at Connor and Willis, their dad's old place. Connor has created a complicated two-tiered sticker system to allocate Pop's belongings to whosoever has the highest priority sticker in the particular sticking circuit round, depending on what tier the sticker is in. Uh, Connor and Willa are, uh, we learn, going to do long distance because Mm. Connor, of course, is going to be uh, the ambassador to Slovenia. And Willa is going to stay close to New York, the New York theater scene, because she's got stuff cooking and she's ready to keep it cooking and uh, and uh, that's that and she seems very excited about they're very uh, excited both distance. of them jason they're both very excited as connor says for this uh, new then, chapter in their life and we don't know much about what's going on with menken but here is where we learn from shiv uh-huh. that there have been setbacks in the court system for menken so uh, is Slovenia really going to happen? We don't know, but Willa seems a little troubled by the fact that her yeah. husband might be living with her in her gigantic home. I like the way that Shiv says, oh, wouldn't you be lucky you'd have him all to yourself? Now, this, I think, is actually <laughs> one of the most telling Willa moments because I think Willa has been playing an unbelievable game 
up until this point. And I think here her end game is truly revealed, which was put up with him long enough, get rid of him somehow, and then live in this giant mansion, which I own with never ending funds. And once this sale goes through, I will also be a billionaire and I'll get half of everything if we get divorced. I feel like she has played such a good long game of being supportive to Connor, despite all his bullshit, that this is a great pull out the rug moment when you see her face drop when yeah. she thinks about actually having to be married to him this it's is a, so good it's so good i wrote an article <laughs> i wrote an article at ign that was called in the succession finale everyone gets what they deserve and i think that is willa's getting what she deserves moment is like you are even you you thought you could play it but even you are probably gonna have to end up living with connor drinking kombucha in this like That's right. h- horrible fucking nightmare house just full of yeah. terrible memories very, very sorry about it, Willa, but apparently you're going to have to actually work to cover up the affairs that I'm sure you're having right now. Yeah, the, uh, there she is, immediately looks at her phone she, when she, when she says not, that. Yes, she could. She can't wait for Connor to leave town because I'm sure. Listen, Connor, I I can't even pretend that he's a nice guy, but clearly he's very devoted to whatever this relationship is. Yes. But uh, you know, Willa has needs as a mm-hmm. much, much younger woman with sharing none of the interests of her much older <laughs> husband. I'm sure that she is out in the streets doing uh-huh. what she needs to do. Looking and after herself. Looking after herself. And now, Willa, I'm sorry to say, you're going to have to rent. You're going to have to go into your yep. bank accounts and rent some other place rent across a town. Secret, a secret, some secret $10, thing. $10,000 a month apartment. You're going to have to do it. I'm you. sorry. You're not going to be able to bring them here because what if you get caught? That's it. It's terrible. I'm, I'm sorry to break it to you. Um, prompt. I don't even, I forget what number we're on, but next prompt. Can you make sense of the stickering system? How does it work? So, okay. You know, do you, okay, yeah. Tell me so, how okay. it works. So yeah. I actually will rewatch this multiple times because this, <laughs> yeah, this, is, this is a really wild Connor moment. One, more proof that this man has too much time on his hands. We know he does nothing. <laughs> but the stickering <laughs> sequence also confirms one of our biggest theories here at Market Moves, which is Connor is the only one of Logan's kids who ever really got to be his kid. And we get to see that a little mm. bit further down the line. But I think the reason he takes it so seriously is that he sees himself as the rightful heir. He is the eldest son, no matter what someone else may say later. And he has already actually taken what he wants. We yeah. learn. He was like, yeah, there was a first round. It was just me. I stuck where I want. So here's how it works. Everybody goes around and they put colored stickers on things. They put one on it if they would like it a little bit. They put two on it if they would like it more. They put three on it if they would like it a lot. And essentially, the idea is this is an honesty policy. So if you don't really want something, you just put one sticker on it. And the idea is at the end, you count up the items that have the most stickers and whichever color gets to keep it. But of course, as it is immediately showcased, Roman just sees what other people have put on his and just immediately puts more stickers. So like, it was a terrible idea made through Connor's dream that maybe these people could be honest and then the best part is there's actually a secondary set of mourners how does does the second tier mourner system so i think the idea is if i was kerry for example who has been put with the second tier (laughs) mourners in just continuing the constant shade and to be honest 
is fortunate to be there in the second all. tier she's, and, not, she's and probably, not much lower. She's probably only there because Lady Caroline let her sit in the front. That right. like really upped her legal standing. So if I was her, what I would do is you have to go in in a brutal stickering fashion. Anything that didn't have three stickers, I just put three stickers on. And you just keep in it. So that's what I think once you're in the second tier, you have to be more strategic. But the real truth is none of them want any of it. Like they don't don't care. And Connor's already taken what he wants. And they literally have a conversation about are they even going to go to the great reallocation, as they call it. (laughs) And they don't really want to go, but they're kind of like, shit, I guess we better go. So it looks like we care. So really, I think the secondary tier of mourners could end up with some, some pricey gems. Because really, these kids don't give a fuck. They don't give a fuck. Tom uh, arrives at the great stickering, <laughs> and he and Shiv chat about the fact that she's going to be uh, Matson's American CEO. And Shiv Oof. tells him, you know, and this is what Tom was kind of poking around for, you know, sadly, no, 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 that's all fucked. Uh, I don't know what happened. He's picking someone else, maybe Lawrence, maybe, mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, and then she drops a very important piece of information for Tom that, well, how do I know? Greg told me. Yeah. What? Uh, and something about the way Tom reacts to all of this gets her suspicious. Yeah. Can I say what that something is? Tom says, yeah. maybe you should just vote it through anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Tom, that is the least slick play of all time. Yeah. As, like, just just do it. Just vote it through. And then she's like, what? And he's like, oh, I guess I should tell you it's going to be me. I'm the CEO. Yeah, it's going to be me. <laughs> and uh, she's, of course, like, what? No, you're, uh, no, 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 no way. And he tells her, no, 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 that's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's going to be me. And right there, you kind of miss it because of mm-hmm. sh- the meltdown Shiv has. But that is Tom basically soft pitching his mm-hmm. wife to switch sides. She had talked to him earlier about, hey, do you want to keep the marriage together? And now Tom is, without saying it, is saying, you voted through. Mm-hmm. And then it's, you know, you and me. Uh, and it's happening right there. Shiv then storms off to tell uh, Ken and Roman the, the news that, holy shit, it's Tom. Tom pulls Greg aside and yells at him. Into a bathroom. It's so funny. Into a bathroom. (laughs) Screams at him basically for the fact that he ratted out to Shiv when really it was him that Tom told is the Shiv. one who just he confirmed flat it. Out, he flat he, out. He's like, Shiv you did it. He's like, you fucking snatched it away from me and now they have time to yeah. make a fucking, you know, a plan and it's like, bro, you just did it. You you actually said, did it. It was you. <laughs> you. Uh, but this is pretty, like, always keep your underlings guessing mm-hmm. and always make them feel like it's their fault. This is, uh, you know, textbook 101 leadership from Tom. Uh, they, uh, Tom and Greg get into it a little bit with Tom slapping Greg and then Greg showing that he's got a little bit of spine. He slaps Tom back. I think that's when he actually secures his place in Tom's court. Because Tom it. Tom likes the fight. Him and Greg have always had this masochistic yeah, kind really of flirtation, have. this yeah. really toxic, will they, won't they thing. You can't, you can't make a Tomlitz without breaking some Gregs. Exactly. I mean, they are one of probably, <laughs> it's probably one of the most successful and popular toxic ships on the internet. And so I think that Greg slapping him back, that's, that's a watershed moment for their relationship. Tom calls Matson to let Matson know the other side knows. Matson then gets... 
uh, you know, on the back of his various minions and is like, get on your phones. It's That's time to activate these zombies. Like, Let's go. What does he want to do? Like, he's just like, I want to see phones. Phones. Get on your phones. Do something. Be on a phone. And I'm just like, what are they meant to do with the phones? I don't know, but I love it. I, I think he's like, uh, I want to see you calling the board members. Yeah, I yeah. See you Tell lobbying. them to do I something. Make sure, make sure they are fucking on side. The Sibs arrive at the board meeting again in three separate cars. Power move. Ken driven by Colin. Now officially his guy. Colin, probably the only person in the world who knows for sure that Ken killed a guy. Mm-hmm. Who like could testify in court yeah. to the fact that Ken killed a guy. Uh, they march in feeling confidently Shiv and Ken are projecting confidence. Roman is shaky, goes in his office immediately to hide. Carolina then pitches Shiv, as I'm sure she's pitched everyone, on let's get rid of Hugo. I've got this. We don't need Hugo. And honestly, like Hugo opened them up to insider trading mm-hmm. very, very recently. And I agree. Like, yeah, I keep I keep Carolina. I, I keep Carolina. And you know what else as well? I like Carolina's like very fucking smart because she pitches it to Shiv in a way that absolutely plays into Shiv's like ego where she's like, oh, yeah, she's, she's like, so if you smart. win, she's like, we're going to change the way the system runs here. We're going to make a change for the good, you know, get rid of all the backstabbing, the lies. I think that means getting rid of Hugo. And I yes. love that because it's like it plays into <laughs> Shiv's liberal delusions that she's somehow going to make things better by by whatever naive, weird shit that she ends up doing. Ken sits in dad's chair, feet on desk, to receive Stewie. The, uh, you know, Shiv uh, and Roman look at this with something like revulsion, but they get it. They're like, it's Uh, just a chair, but also... Yeah. Uh, And then Ken says to Stewie, listen, we have it. Okay, we have it. Like, so come on board with us and maybe we make you chairman of the board, you know, and it just gets you super, super fucking paid. Uh, and, you know, we'll run stuff, but you get to sit there and just collect chairman of the board checks. What do you mm-hmm. say about that? Roman then freaks out because Jerry is there and he spirals. He completely spirals. He looks at himself in the mirror, uh, the the, the uh, kind of top of the drink carriage is a mirror. And he looks at it and he sees that his face, even though he had received a beating uh, not that long ago, he looks too good he looks too normal and he's like well why they'll look at me and think roman looks pretty good why isn't it him like why is it ken like what's going on and he's he's starting to spiral down and he's like and this is kind of roman at his essence Mm -hmm. he can't they all all the siblings can't win they can't do the final thing that it takes to win but roman's version of that is he actually does win and he self-destructs while he's winning. Yes, yes, Look at yes. him with Mencken, right? He That mm-hmm. was it, the fucking golden ring he had. He ruined it. Yeah. All the times that he could have been, see, later, dad approached him about CEO, sent him to executive training camp. He mm-hmm. had that, he had the partnership with Jerry that seemed like a good thing. And then he, he blows it all the time. And here he is again, blowing it because but not blowing it enough he's like i feel uncomfortable because i don't look like a complete mm-hmm. piece of shit and so in what is i i think the scariest yes scene in the series and one I agree. That, that speaks to just what a fucked up family this is ken hugs 
Roman hard to his shoulder and using his shoulder like tears open his stitches. And he keeps pushing his head against him, even when Roman's kind of crying out. It's it's really horrific. And we and got Roman a, just takes it. Yeah, Roman's kind of crying, calling him a motherfucker, but he doesn't fight back. And yes. I think that we really get a, got a glimpse into Ken fully embracing that abusive side of his dad in the last episode where he told Roman, like, you fucked it. Like when he tells him, like, you fucked it. Like he basically plays into Roman's insecurities. But here that turns physical. And yes. this isn't even the last time he does something physically abusive to Roman in this episode. Like he is ready to continue that. But he actually sees Roman even more as a punching bag than I think Logan ever did. X-Ray Vision will be back. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. And we're back. We go to the vote. Ken is feeling himself. He's like, let's just vote now. Why are we even talking about anything yeah, else? Can let's we vote. talk about this, right? Yeah, yeah. This man, he sells himself. He's like, you saw me live in plus. You saw me at the yeah. funeral. He's like, to his siblings, he's like, I can pitch an idea. I can pitch a vision. That's I'm going right. to come into this board. I'm going to pitch them a vision so good that's going to change everybody's mind. Instead, Ken walks in and he's like, your minds aren't going to be changed. You know me. We know how the votes are going to land. Let's just vote. I was like, oh, oh, sir, your arrogance was too high on that one. This is Ken's ultimate fall. Now, look, I thought Ken was going to go in and flop the pitch, but I never imagined that Ken would go in and not pitch. Yeah, I, I think that, first of all, one thing this show does really, really well, all good shows do this really well, uh, but Succession is kind of a masterclass in how you do this, is you, you know, there's only really... It's hard to fool people who watch a lot of television. And so the thing you can do is you give them the thing before mm -hmm. they think it's going to happen. Like with Tom, they basically outed that Tom was yeah. going to be the guy in the like early in the episode. They just let you know it's going to be Tom. It's but Tom. then they're like, how do you get there? How do you get there? And I think this part of it, Ken, how is Ken going to self-destruct? How is he going to lose it? How is Shiv going to blow it? How is Rome going to blow it? All of this is so perfect. So we go to the vote and it breaks down like this. Frank, of course, yes. Sonia, yes. Don't know who she is. Diane, Lou, don't know who she is, but yes. Ken, you know where I stand. No. Sandy and Sandy, yes and yes. Which is kind of shocking because I think Ken did think he might have had them. They'd kind of talked about the Sandys. Dewey, we don't know him, but no. Here's the shocking one to me. Ewan who starts with the uh, quotation from the Hippocratic Oath, first do no harm. Then he says, no, he wants Ken to maintain control of the company. I guess he thinks Lucas is worse. I, what is his rationale here? Absolutely baffling. I suppose maybe this is a bit of a, an indictment on Ewan because he well. still can't break out of that cycle. Or the other version of it is he is rejecting the billions that would come from this offer. 
and he's trying to make a statement in that way. But surely giving it to Kendall, a very non-serious person, will not do no harm. I do not believe that. I think this is a bit of an indictment on Ewan's hypocrisy. Well, Ewan is, you know, of course, quite happy to criticize his Mm -hmm. late brother and the poison that he put into the world through his many, many uh, media outfits. But of course, he's quite happy to live in the literal lap of luxury and Mm -hmm. security off of the money provided by those concerns of his brothers that he considers to have poisoned Mm -hmm. the nation, poisoned the lives of various people. So Ewan is extremely compromised. And here in this moment, I I guess I was just surprised that that he would be so, like, obviously compromised Mm -hmm. in this moment. That Mm -hmm. he would just do it flat out, be like, I know keep I've said a lot Roy of things, family. but like, fuck it, let's keep it in the family. Fuck it, let's keep it in the <laughs> He was like really moved by Kendall's speech. He was like, thanks, yeah. bro. Like, I was feeling it. Uh, Stewie, no. And I love it. I love it. He goes, no, Team Ken, baby. Team Ken, I baby. <laughs> fucking love that Stewie gets burned by Ken one more fucking time. Here it is. What, like, how many one times has he believed in this guy? Time. And, and Kendall's like, do it for me, man. Do it because we're friends. Like, this is the one, man. Like, we're going to do it. The thing I really love about this scene. Oh, you know what? Continue with the vote breakdown before I okay. say it. Roman, he, he wavers. I thought he was going to be the one to flip it. Uh, he wavers, but then it's a no. So we have six to six. Yes, no's. And we go to Shiv, the tiebreak, the final vote. And Shiv is like, uh, I just need a, I need a second. What? Yeah, I need a second. I need to go to this other room and just like pace around. Ken is like, what the fuck? He and Roman follow Shiv to the other room where, where a fucking shit show circus. Oh, carnival my- of, of idiocy breaks out. <laughs> In within everyone seeing in this glass, it's a glass watch room. This Everyone happen. can hear it. I just want to say my favorite fucking thing about this, yeah, and it plays into everything that Succession has done so well. I absolutely love that it is just a fucking Russian roulette of where Shiv would have sat. If Shiv yeah. wasn't the last vote, I don't That's believe so... she would have gone against it. I think if she'd have sat anywhere else in that room next to Ken, ne- maybe what next to you, and I think she would have voted no. Because that's she so didn't right. have this huge God, power. That's smart. Yeah. But on the she ends up sitting in the place which suddenly she has this life-changing billion dollar power that she has never had. And of course, she uses it to fuck over her brothers, but not just that. I think that weight is just so huge. And Sarah Snook absolutely sells that. Like when she walks out of the room, she's not just doing it to be petty, as much as I would love that to be the answer. She feels the fucking weight of this choice that she has been given. But it's so random. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. It really is all about where she sat. How crazy um, is that? Just it's bonkers. so crazy. So they get into it and... Kendall just fucking loses it. You know, Shiv, Shiv, is, Shiv is like, is just kind of groping around for any rationale that makes sense and she grabs one that actually does make sense which is, Ken, you can't be you. You killed a guy. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Remember when you killed a guy? Remember what, in Italy when you admitted to us that you killed a guy and Ken is like, ah, no, 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 that didn't. I was, I just false memory that. That was like... <laughs> I, I made I made it up. I just needed to say something in that moment. And we were, you know, in this weird place. And I was just talking. That was like bullshit. I'm good. I'm clean. I never killed a guy. Don't fucking worry about it. Can we just go back in there and vote? I'm good. And then Roman says, well, 
and he's and then he screams, "I am the eldest boy," <laughs> which you we know, know the bloodline isn't true. Uh, Connor can we fucking just exists. Say, yeah, like can Connor we just say that Connor exists? I that, love the dismissiveness. Of I know that that moment is so crazy because he's just standing in this office building and he's screaming, "I am the eldest son. I what am cr- the eldest son." What a wild thing to scream! And like everyone it's in the office, if they weren't already aware that you'd lost it that's when they know they know that you are not a serious person just as your father said and kendall's screaming bloody murder about i'm the eldest son i deserve this even though when they were in barbados they all revealed that logan had told them at different times in their life that it would be them of course so they'd all been played into this same cycle but ken yeah yeah, ken really ken really feels it Mm -hmm. and believes it that that is the case. So Roman points out, like, well, listen, if you're going to say that you're the bloodline, um, just, and I'm just <laughs> repeating dad's words here, you know, it's not me saying this, but this is what dad said. And dad would say that your kids aren't even uh, really Roy's. They were not hit truly as grand uh, kids. Sophie is adopted. And Iverson is like uh, the son of some contractor, filing cabinet maker, or whoever that worked on your house, right? But yeah. also half robbers. I will this... also say, Roman sprinkles in some racism here to really get yes. Ken going. But again, Ken reacts in the most horrifically, another really scary moment where he just grabs Roman's face and pushes his thumbs into the scars. And it is like so horrific. And everybody is watching this. Now, can you imagine you're sitting there trying to have a board? Interns are watching it. The mailroom <laughs> guy is watching it. It's Jess not even is watching it. Everyone is Colin. watching it. Not even We're just at- like Jerry and the people who are in that no. room. Like everyone is watching this, and it is the most unserious shit you've ever seen. Even if they'd gotten Shiv to agree to the vote, this whole thing is proof that those three shouldn't be able to vote and their votes oh, would absolutely. easily be able to be like null and void in some kind of boardroom takeover. Absolutely. Shiv's like, get off of him. Then uh, Roman is like, don't touch Shiv because she's pregnant. What the fuck? And then Shiv manages to slip out. She gets back in the room. And And those two just fight. And those two just fight for another couple of seconds. And it just fucking happens. By the time uh, Ken gets in there, it's fucking over. It's over. It's so good because he stands up and he's like, after him and Roman are fighting, and he's like, we got it. We got it. Let's go to Frank. There's still a route here. There's still a path. Yeah, we could still do it. We could still and, do it. And, and Roman's like, no, we're nothing, man. Like, we're there's fucking, fucking nothing. We're fucking done. We're bullshit. And then Ken goes in and he's like, so where are we? Let's, and his hair's all fucked up and everyone just <laughs> yeah, seen him have the fight. And he's like, he's like, where are we? Let's, let's postpone the vote. Let's postpone the vote. He looks like his hair's like gelled up, like he's in a boy band. He's like, we'll just hold the vote out. Just hold the vote out for a little no. while. Like, and, and Frank's and called, like, nah, no, it's done. Yeah, Frank's, Frank tells him it's over. It's done. Sorry. Tom is CEO. Tom <laughs> walks in victorious. Uh, Greg saunters up and we get a taste of what the mm-hmm. early regime, early days of the Tom regime will be. At he Gojo is, Go. At Gojo Go. He will, first of all, strap Carl and Frank into their golden parachutes. And honestly, like Carl made some, you know, Frank was like, what do you think? Uh, we're out. This is great. Like awesome and carl was like i don't know maybe run it back one like you don't want to run it back go no. to your fucking greek island and get go out to your of greek here. island look the truth is 
This is another great example of getting what they deserve. They're going to get their golden parachutes. That's secure. The legacy is no longer secure, as Carl has now realized, because he said some mad, chatted mad shit <laughs> to Tom earlier this season and was like, you are nothing. Nobody cares. Nobody trusts you. You will amount to zero. So I love the line. Frank's like, no way. Like, not Tom. And Carl's like, yeah, we should have slit his throat in the cradle. And Frank's like, yeah. Goes without saying that we should have done that. But um, they're fine. They got millions of dollars, yeah, billions of dollars. And maybe off, billions. I think billions probably from this deal. So they're gone, strapped into the golden parachutes, shot out of the airline, but they'll do okay. They'll land softly. Yeah, they'll be fine. I don't don't worry too much about Frank and Carl. Jerry will stay on because mm-hmm. in Tom's view, she knows she knows how this nightmare circus works. And of She's one she of the knows. only she, people who actually knows how to do her job. She knows how to fucking do her job. Um, Hugo. Sorry about it, my guy. You're out. Carolina's going to stay in. on. And uh, Greg is like, well, what about me? What about uh, what about myself? Where do I land in all of this? And Tom's like, well, you're fucked, man. Uh, you know, you make 200000 as an assistant. That's going to come way down. It's going to come way down. You're going to fucking get killed on salary. You're going to get absolutely murdered. But, and then he puts a sticker, the, one of his <laughs> black stickers on... Greg's forehead. I got a place for you, buddy. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to save you because he owns Greg now. And Greg smiles. Greg loves it. Greg wants to be involved. He's in. And then we get these (sighs) wonderful little mini scenes, wordless, of the three siblings in the wake of all this. Connor, Mm -hmm. we don't care. He's fine. He's he's doing whatever. He's like, he's chilling. Uh, There is... Roman at a bar Alone. and you get the sense that he will be fucking fine. Like mentally. Of course, like it's it's a tragedy that they've lost control of their father's empire. It is so heartbreaking. And all they have to to assuage their feelings is just billions and billions of dollars that they will get for the sale. But is that really enough? No, but but Roman will be okay. Yeah, it's psychologically. Like, he I seems think psychologically, like he will bounce back. He's reached his rock bottom, and I think it's very sad to see him alone in this moment if you ignore the fact he's a terrible person. But, like, the yeah. the, the, the route that he has gone on this season has been incredibly bleak. But I think that you're right. Roman's alone. Really, Roman was kind of all, always alone. So Roman he'll probably be, be fine. Roman is the same. Can we see walking uh, through Battery Park looking sh- fucking shell-shocked? Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's it's... Very, you know, a couple of dozens of billions of dollars in cash and stock. It's cold comfort when what you mm-hmm. wanted was the company. I, yeah, I, he needed this. This is all he could do. Yeah. What's this? He doesn't know, but he's entitled he to do it. He wanted to do it, and now he can't do it. Now he can't do it. And now he, all he has is like, you know, what, what, what's the sale price? Like 90, 80 yeah, something? He, and he's got like $10 billion, nothing. That means nothing. What's he what going to do with that? Do, what can you do with that? You can't, can't do, do anything with that. So he's, so he's shell-shocked. He's walking around and Colin is following him from 10 steps behind as he will do for the rest of his life. And we notice that, by the way, have to have to have to say, when, uh, you know, Ken was attempting to scoop out Roman's eyeballs in the conference room and it was turning into a scuffle. Uh, where was Colin? Mm-hmm. Colin was not there. Colin Colin can't wait to not take a bullet for Ken. <laughs> yeah, Colin, I know. I was watching and I was like, is Colin actually just going to like push Kendall into the water? I was like, I don't think he's like 
This is not a man who's there through loyalty. This is a man who's there through blackmail and threats. Like, I don't know how long Kendall's going to survive. They apparently did a scene where uh, where Ken goes over, tries to go over the railing, and Colin pulls him back, (laughs) uh, but then went with the, the scene we see. And then we see Tom riding off in some beautiful European luxury automobile with Shiv, the power couple ascendant. He lays his hand on the uh, middle armrest with his palm upwards, and then she places her palm on his, her hand. You couldn't say they were intertwined, but it's Mm -hmm. more like her hand laying openly on his, and that is the end of the series, an incredible series. I must (sighs) ask now our final prompts. What do you think happens with everyone? We kind of talked about Roman, but where does everyone, where does Shiv end up? Where does Ken end up? Where does Connor, I guess we'll do Connor. Where does Connor and Willa, <laughs> Willa I think Connor and Willa end up living in that house, yeah. being incredibly unhappy. I think that's the the true ending of everything that is inevitable. I was thinking about this a lot when I was writing about the show. They all end the show exactly where they began it, just exceptionally wealthy and incredibly unhappy. And I think that continues. I think Connor and Willa have the best chance of making it because they have some weird shit going on there. Like maybe they'll just end up being in like an open (laughs) relationship and having all their lovers live in the giant house. Like I see a version where they could be okay. I think Shiv and Tom are immensely successful and deeply, deeply depressed. I also, my friend James, who I watch Succession, we always watch it and, and talk about it afterwards. He made a great point when I was talking about everyone having their just desserts in this episode. Shiv essentially becomes Lady Caroline. She is a trophy wife of a figurehead, a wealthy woman who has zero power in the business space that she's in, but will likely spend a lot of time influencing Tom's choices. And she's about to have a kid who she's already admitted she will not raise, who will be raised by nannies. And I think in that way, she gets another incredibly depressing kind of situation where I think the hardest one to call, where do you see Kendall? Where does he go from here? Does he I pop think, back with some terrible tech startup? Does he try and make yeah, a comeback? I think, I think Ken, uh, listen, Shiv magnanimously offered to, for no fee, just give her brothers the uh, IP for the hundred. You know, I'm not going to. Mm-hmm. She was like, I'll do that for free because yeah, I love you. You can just have that. You want you want to have that be your little startup. I think Ken goes back to something like that. Mm. I think whether it's the hundred or something else, you know, Logan once famously said to his kids, make your own damn pile. You know, (laughs) why are you fighting over my shit? Go make your own money. And I think that Ken will eventually, I think this is obviously going to be the defining thing of his life, losing Mm -hmm. his dad's company. But I think that he will attempt various schemes to make his own pile, none of them being quite successful enough, but not to worry because he's got so much money that he can just keep He could never spend it all. He can never spend it all. He'll be fine. Um, Roman, I, we said we'll be fine. I want to put a prompt to you. I think that this yeah. is a show where everybody, for the most part, has gotten what they deserve in like a bad way because these are yeah. bad people. I think if there is a true winner at succession in a non-existential Tom style you won, but you're trapped in a hell of your own making. I think it's Jerry. Because Jerry was there I think you're to right. sign the golden parachute deal 
which I'm sure she will still get because she was there to legally sign it. She's going to get her huge payoff for putting up with the Roy's bullshit. And then if she wants to, if she is so inclined, she has a choice to be a part of this other gojo go and stay in this space that she's kind of been in. Now, Jerry's not a great person because Jerry enabled the Roy's for a long time. But within the logic and rules of the show, she is one of the few people who ever tried to hold them accountable even a little bit and kind of call them on their bullshit. I agree with you there. And I think, honestly, Frank and Carl, too, they got out. Yeah, they got out. Carl, congratulations. Your Greek island is is on the docket. Here it comes. I want to see that spinoff. You don't need this shit anymore. The yeah. Greek Island summer holiday spinoff. I think what is so wonderfully tragic and really what makes this show so good and so high quality and so timeless feeling in the way mm-hmm. that it, you know, evokes our emotions and allows us to ride along with these characters who fucking suck. It's that it's pure tragedy in the most definitional sense of classic tragedy. Yeah, like Shakespearean tragedy. These characters have a fatal flaw, each of them, right? Mm -hmm. And there really is no... uh, There's two moves that Succession has, which is the Roys try to get their dad's company and they fail. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's the cycle. And... The show shows you that again and again and again and heightens the way that they lose it exponentially each mm-hmm. time so that it so that despite the fact that there really is this very methodical and one note kind predictable. of predictable predictable they're going to lose it you know they're going to lose it but the question is how and how devastating will it be and how hard will they try to win it only to lose it this time? Mm-hmm. And each time they lose it because of the fatal flaw. I think about like Shiv. Shiv is the woman, you know, the feminist who mm-hmm. told a uh, a woman, mm-hmm. a survivor of sexual assault at the hands of the people who worked for her father's company to just take the fucking money. Just yeah. take the money. You know, and like, wh- she will constantly sell out. And when she was bonding with Matson, as soon as he yeah. told her about Ebba, she immediately went into PR mode. How can we silence her? Yes. I'll deal with this. I can help you deal with this. Don't worry about it. She, she will constantly sell out her own morals that don't exist. She, they're all they ethical don't voids. exist. She pretends they exist because she thinks it helps her in the realm of like public consumption, but it doesn't. And if she has a fatal flaw, it's that... She's very smart, but thinks she's smarter than she is. Ken, mm-hmm. Ken's fatal flaw is that he fucking can't close. He yeah, just can't in, get there and close. Entitlement and arrogance. In fact, that is something they all share. He has that exact same problem that Shiv has in Barbados, yeah. but it has plagued him throughout his whole life. He ex- he expects the win before it's happened. He yes. can't close. He never makes the deal. He just expects the deal to come to him. And then Roman, who I, I think you could argue is maybe the most talented in terms of a social, you know, in terms of the part of the job that is, in Lucas's words, vibe checks, is just mm-hmm. like hanging out and talking shit with other powerful people. I think you'd say Roman was weirdly the most the most able to do that. You think about the way he, you know, initially before his downfall, the way he related to Mencken was mm-hmm. both of them roasting each other. He, he understood on an instinctive level that powerful people 
want to feel like there is something that it, that awakens their cruelty when you just mm-hmm. lay down. Mm-hmm. You need to spar with them just enough that they feel like you're on their level. And Roman yep. weirdly understood that, but his fatal flaw is that he just couldn't, in victory, he needed to destroy himself. Yeah. When he, he got the big energy, he got the big energy spot at the funeral. He blew it. He blows it constantly. And and the fact that these characters just did those fatal flaw, like self-destructions again and again and again. And yet every time you're just like, holy shit, I can't believe it happened again. Yeah, That you, is really that is hard to do. And is what makes this show so unbelievable affecting. writing. It's yeah. just such a powerful show. And I love how we had all kinds of theories and predictions and, and were wondering about the way that they would end this show and how out there they would go with it. But the truth is, the reason this hits so hard and feels like the perfect finale is it follows those established rules, like you mentioned yeah. about the character archetypes. But also, it is that same mix of just absolutely bleak but incredibly realistic. Like, the fact that these characters end the show wildly richer than they were before, at least in like liquidity and like real money that they can have. But they still have a tragic ending. That's so realistic. Kendall will never pay for the fact that he killed someone. He will never never have accountability. So in the world of the show, they give him the most realistic punishment, which is having this one thing that he always wanted ripped away from him. And that is really interesting because I think in this trend of eat the rich kind of programming and filmmaking which i do love you know the the menu triangle of sadness ready or not yes those offer very viscerally cathartic ideas around how people can get their revenge they get killed they get mutilated they get eaten they get burned they get blown up and it's like but succession doesn't do that succession works within the world and says look here are these people that control everything in your life they fucking suck they're ridiculous and what we can do is show you the worst thing that can realistically happen to them, which is being trapped in a loveless marriage, but still being incredibly rich, being alone and isolated in Roman's case, but still being incredibly rich. Kendall not having the thing he always felt like he was entitled to, the throne and crown that he's wanted since he was seven when he was told it was his. He can't have that, but he's still incredibly rich. And I think that's why the finale hit so hard, because those rules... And that cycle is so key to what Succession does well. And they totally understand that and really pulled it together. I saw people, I think it was Vanity Fair, did an article where they were like, the season four of Succession was a mess until the finale. I don't agree. I thought this season was agree. brilliant. Yeah, yeah. But I I love that even for people who weren't understanding or vibing with or following this season in a way that felt impactful that finale was so strong that it pulled all of those threads together and made it work like that to me shows that this is not just recency bias or people being like oh the finale is good even people who didn't like the fourth season are like oh this makes it work that's how powerful it was that it can turn around somebody's view of the whole season i personally think succession has always been a show where every season is better and I think mm-hmm. that the fourth season follows that. But yeah, I mean, what a finale. Just unbelievable stuff. Let, let me ask you this. Did Shiv actually win? Because Shiv, uh, let's, okay, so if she would have gotten the job that she was gunning for, CEO, American handpicked CEO of Lucas Matson's GoCo, she would have been 
powerless or she would have mm-hmm. needed to be mm-hmm. truly powerless, have no influence on Matson's thinking, just be the cutout person. And then she'd have Tom in her pocket and not the other way around. But of course, like that was never going to happen. So is this actually the best outcome for Shiv where I she do. looked at it and said, here's what keeps me in the mix. I stay by Tom's side. I'm in his pocket. We've got the next in line of the lineage of the Roy's with us. And we're just doing the thing that we've already been doing, but now we're trapped in it even more devastatingly than before. And unlike Ken, unlike Roman, unlike Connor, who cares about Connor, I still am in the mix. I have Tom's ear and sure Tom will never pitch Lucas on what I think he should do, but I'm in the mix somehow still. Oh, I absolutely believe that. One of my favorite, I think there's two things that drove Shiv in that moment. We get the great moment when she's in the room and they're fighting with the kids. And and she says to Kendall, she says, I fucking love you, but I cannot stomach you. And I saw a great tweet that really sums up, I think the 50% of it, somebody was like, you know, I, such a good tweet. I need to find it to credit this person. We'll try and put it in the show notes. But they said, you know, people are saying Shiv, you know, voted against Kendall to save him from an abusive cycle. And they were like, but have you perhaps considered that she's just a hater? I do think that that is 50% of, I think pettiness was 50%. She didn't want Kendall to have it. But I believe the other 50% was, as you pointed out, self-preservation. I think Shiv weighed up everything, all the outcomes like Doctor Strange and Infinity War. And she worked out that that is the best outcome for her. No question. She doesn't have to work under Lucas Matson. He has no influence right. on her life. She does not have to be the fall guy for any of his schemes, the bad India numbers. She can essentially yeah. live as off the grid as a billionaire can, raising her baby. But I also believe <laughs> that Tom is easily manipulated. And if she really did want him to put in things into action, she could whisper in his ear. She could parcel tongue him. She could, you know, be the person who is really running the show if she wants to put that much energy in. So I do think on a power play level and who got the best outcome in the cynical Roy overview, Shiv made the power play move and made the right choice for her and her terrible ways. I agree. Incredible series. What a close to it. Extremely rewatchable show. Sad to see it go, but I think Listening to uh, Jesse on the kind of after show little video featurette, I do agree with them that it, Logan dying, Mm -hmm. the funeral, the Gojo sale, it feels like a natural ending place. Even though it does, uh, you understand that a writing team of this caliber could have come up with something excellent, Mm -hmm. but it does feel like a natural place to end. We always talk about it. One of the hardest things, especially if you're a comic book fan, if you love TV, is to end something on your own terms. The show doesn't get canceled. The comic book doesn't get given to someone else. So the fact that the team got to end it on their own terms in a way that feels really organic and natural and definitive, that's just a gift. Well, uh, it's been wonderful helping you build your bankroll here at Market Moves. You should be much richer now. You should be so, so wealthy and powerful now that you can have your own Tom. And if you're a Tom, you can have your own Greg. And if you're a Greg, you can hopefully work your way up 
by being a pain sponge for somebody else or a pain pig for somebody else. We wish that for you, a future of sucking up to the rich, sucking the biggest dick in the room, being the pain sponge and riding that to the success that you deserve. Always remember, if there's someone rich and powerful out there, just suck their dick. We want to leave you with that. We want to leave you with that. (laughs) (laughs) An important life rule for everyone. (laughs) From from Market Market Moves. Moves, A show that has now been cancelled by the network. (laughs) Yeah, up next, (laughs) turn out. (laughs) In today's Nerd Out, where you tell us what you love and why, or a theory that you're excited to share, Joe pitches us on Netflix's Voltron Legendary Defender. Hi, X-Ray team and listeners. I want to share the amazing content that is Netflix's Voltron Legendary Defender. This series is a reboot of the original and, on its own, fantastic animated series from the 1980s, and in so many ways honors the original content. The newest Voltron series leverages a variety of animation styles, from the expected traditional action animation to occasionally incorporating Japanese anime styling, including some fantastic Naruto-style runs. The storyline adds a layer of heart and emotion that most of us wouldn't have expected or appreciated in the original series, tackling topics like death and loss, grief, found family, discrimination, and the ultimate goal of protecting those you love. There's also various levels of LGBTQ representation throughout, though potentially not as much as some fans may would have liked. Hashtag Clamps. In the end, Voltron Legendary Defender gave us both a trip down memory lane for us millennials and a great story that continued to develop across eight seasons. I tend to be a bit of a heartless person, but spoiler alert, in the last episode, I was full on weeping knowing that this was the last episode I'd see this family. I encourage any fans of the original 80s series and anyone looking for just a fun space rom-com dramedy to check out Voltron Legendary Defender on Netflix. Thank you, Joe. If you have theories or passions you want to share, hit us up at x-ray at crooked.com. Instructions in the show notes. That's it for us, Rosie. Any plugs? Plugs, 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 plugs. Uh, We're here. I'm here. I'm here on X-Ray Vision with you doing this cool show twice a week. I'm on Letterboxd, Rosie Marks. You can also find my writing at places like IGN, Polygon, Den of Geek. I'll have another cool Den of Geek story coming up soon. Woo! And we, oh yeah, and I will plug my friend uh, Nikesh Shukla, really brilliant writer. He is currently writing Spider-Man India. That book's going to be coming out soon in the wake of Spider-Verse. So keep an eye out for that. And we'll also have him on the show soon. Love to hear it. Catch the next episode of X-Ray Vision on Friday, June 2nd, where we will discuss all things across the Spider-Verse, and along with an interview with director Kemp Powers. Cannot wait to see Ah! across the Spider-Verse. I'm ready to see it. Subscribe on YouTube, where you can watch full episodes of the show and check out our Discord to meet and hang with tons of amazing fans and listeners, plus me and Jason. We're there. Five-star ratings, five-star reviews. We need them. We got to have them. You got to give them to us. Here's one from Still Dixie Landings to me. Knowledgeable, great team, and lots of fun. Thank you, Still Dixie Landings. X-Ray Vision is a Crooked Media production. The show is produced by Chris Lord and Saul Rubin and executive produced by me. 
Jason Concepcion. Our editing and sound design is by Vasilis Fotopoulos. Video production by Delon Villanueva and Rachel Gajewski. Social media by Ewa Okalati and Caroline Dunn. Thank you to Brian Vasquez for our theme music. See you next time. Have a good one. Hey, Mike, this is his stuff from Marine. Yeah, I want to talk about the Gojo uh, sale today. You know, I'm a, I'm a, a guy, let's just call him a source. We'll talk about it on background. I think uh, your listeners might find this really interesting. I got a buddy of mine. Uh, we go to the Giants games together. We've had season tickets together for a long time. We go see the Mets all the time. He's a buddy of mine for, like, we go way back. Anyways, he's, uh, let's just say he works for Ken. Uh, and apparently in the wake of the deal, uh, Ken was crying. His hair was all mussed up. They said there was, he said there was a fight. The kids were fighting. Uh, Ken tried to scoop his brother's eyes out. He walks down to the battery, almost jumps in the drink. And my buddy had to apparently uh, get him out of there. And guess, here's another thing. My buddy says it's not the first time Ken's been in the water. Uh, and uh, he he just left it at that. He left it very, very uh, cryptic in that kind of way. And let me tell you some of my guy, uh, Colin, sorry, edit that out. Uh, whatever I just said, the name I just said. Can you edit that out, Mike? No? Okay. Well, what I was going to say is my guy is just, uh, uh, my, or my girl, or whoever he is, he uh, it doesn't, no, he's a very straight-spoken kind of guy, and he doesn't always speak in riddles like that, Mike, so I think there's uh, something serious going on, and that's all I have to say on the GoCo uh, deal, Mike. I, I'll take my answer off the air. Thank you.